0: Hi, this is Lucinda. I'm a healthcare accreditation coordinator as well as an RN. I have no affiliation with the Joint Commission at all or any other accreditation body. But today I want to talk to you a little bit about environmental infection prevention, if that's okay. So, first, let's talk about the Spalding classification a little bit. What is a critical item? Okay, well critical items are objects that enter or come into contact with sterile tissues or the vascular system and that have a high risk of transmitting infection. These include such items as surgical instruments, cardiac and vascular catheter implants and objects placed into the vascular system, such as needles. Um, Critical patient care items are reprocessed to make them sterile. That is all microorganisms, including bacterial spores are killed. Semi-critical items include those that come into contact with non-intact skin or mucous membranes, such as respiratory therapy equipment, anesthesia equipment, and flexible endoscopes. Um, these items are processed with high-level disinfection, high-level disinfection, that's a hot topic, to eliminate all microorganisms except for um, high number bacterias, uh, bacterial spores. And then finally you have your non-critical items non-critical patient items touch intact skin only because the skin acts as an effective barrier to most microorganisms these items pose a low risk of transmitting infections non-critical items include crutches blood pressure cuffs stethoscopes and a variety of other medical accessories as well as non-medical accessories such as recreational equipment Non-critical items are processed with low or intermediate level disinfection processes. And that all makes sense. We should all know this already. So once you have equipment, medical equipment or otherwise, in your hospital environment, clinical environment, etc., we must know how to maintain it and clean it, right? We need to make sure to routinely assess surfaces for the following list that I'm going to list for you. Um, to help reduce the burden of contamination. So, and you'll hear, if you work with me, you hear me say this quite a bit too much. A matter of fact, people are probably sick of it and they think it's like a new thing, but remove tape or other adhesive residue from your equipment, from your environment period. But I mean, it's sticky tape. What do you think's gonna happen? Stuff's gonna stick to it, it's gonna be gross. Um, you need to address surface rust on equipment. Um, ensure that if you have velcro um, like say for your blood pressure cuffs if it's if it's present make sure it's in good condition and try to minimize the use of velcro whenever possible because it's really hard to clean you want to make sure to ensure that there are no cracks or chips in laminate on furniture or countertops or um, on your cabinets you see this quite a bit you know we bump wheelchairs into things and it cracks your tabletop you know um, you're going to want to avoid tears or holes in upholstery or mattresses. Um, you're going to want to try to patch any holes or tears with an approved product that can be clean and disinfected. That is, there's no tape. We're not going to patch it up with duct tape, right? You're going to want to maintain the casters, wheels, tracks, and so forth on equipment so that they function properly and they don't build up debris, dust, or other matter. Usually when I'm walking around doing rounds, I see a a hair in wheels a lot, especially on the beds. Anyway, and that's really hard to get out too. It's a challenge. So just make sure you're looking around with your eyes. And if you see something that is inappropriate, that you clean it or address it. You're going to want to make sure that in your facility that you unclog drains and routinely remove hard water and mineral deposits from ice machines water dispensers and any other equipment with water present including your sinks we don't want to see like build up from that mineral build up you're going to want to try to clean that the best you can um it 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 can be a challenge especially if uh, you haven't had time and it's it's been a long time since it's been descaled it You will get a citation for this depending on the surveyor and depending on how bad and noticeable it is. I'm not a a big fan of like indoor water features. Um, In general, like there can be a lot of issues with bacterial growth in them. Um, So you're going to want to ensure that decorative water features, if present, have the correct chemical levels to prevent bacterial growth. Um, You don't want anything like Legionnaire disease growing in there and spreading around your facility. You're going to want to properly store your very expensive equipment, right? And supplies in clean locations. For example, cabinets, covered linens. You're going to want to cover your linens, um, your storage rooms. And if plastic covers are required by organizational policy, like I know when I worked in a cataracts clinic, we always, always had to Clean and cover that microscope at the end of the day it had to be covered with its special cover it had to it was a very expensive microscope and that was our policy and heads would roll if it did not happen which is absolutely warranted and most of these are common sense you're going to want to routinely clean the air vents and change filters per the manufacturers instructions by the way where are your manufacturers instructions for anything. Do you know where to look? I always think, what would a prudent surveyor do? Would they ask me for something like this? Do I know where to look it up at? Where do I find these documents? Because if I'm cleaning something in front of a surveyor showing them how we do it, how do I know how we do it? Where does that information come from? Let's talk a little bit, I think this is always silly, but what is the definition of cleaning? Cleaning is the removal of foreign material, for example, soil, organic material, protein, blah, from objects and is normally accomplished using water um, with detergents or uh, enzymatic product. Through, um, cleaning is required before high-level disinfection sterilization because inorganic and organic materials that remain on the surface can interfere with the, dis, uh, with the effectiveness of disinfection. Now, while most organizations have some sort of routine cleaning schedule for equipment and surfaces, deep cleaning is often not performed due to operational issues. For example, rooms being occupied, uh, lack of backup equipment or staffing. Developing and maintaining a deep cleaning process may contribute to more efficient routine cleaning and will result in a more effective disinfection process. Um, Items that may be considered for a deep cleaning schedule include air ducts and grills. Yes, that needs to be done. You do not want a patient that has been in a hospital room all day looking up at the ceiling and seeing this dusty, dusty air duct and grill hanging over them. That's gross. You're not going to get a good review, right? Plus it's just gross. You want to have a nice clean environment in the hospital as, as much as possible. Um, you're going to want to have a deep cleaning schedule for your ice dispensers and storage chests. Um, if you have carpeting, yuck, number one, try to phase that out if you can. That's not a requirement. That's just a suggestion from me. Um, anybody who lived on the coast during Hurricane Katrina probably does not favor carpeting after having having to pull all of that up due to our flooding. Uh, You get to see what all is on that pad underneath the uh, carpet when you pull it up. Anyway, if you do have carpeting, we're going to want to know, do you have a schedule to clean it, a deep cleaning schedule? Um, You're going to want to have one of these schedules for your window blinds and shades, privacy curtains. How often do you change those curtains? How often do you clean them? Are they disposable? How often do you dispose of them? And where is your schedule and how can I tell How is there proof that you have done this? Do you have a log book? Can I see it? You know, these are the questions you need to ask. Um, Clothing washers and dryers, per the manufacturer's instructions, how often do you deep clean this if you have one of these in your facility? Mattress and pillow covers, how often are these being cleaned? Um, Bed and bed frames, bed frames, I know that in our outpatient clinic that I worked in a million years ago, we made sure to do clean those bed frames um monthly and as needed, of course if they were soiled or something. But, you know, there's that whole section underneath one of the little stretchers where there's this plastic doodad and you need to clean it cuz it gets really dusty and funky. Um and then of course your other uh your furniture in the rooms and the furnishings. And like, okay, so we're talking deep cleaning. So, if you have a recliner, how often are you pulling that open and actually cleaning in the crevices and stuff. I just have nightmares about like with my germaphobe self of sticking my fingers in between some of those crevices in a, in one of the recliners in one of the patient rooms, say if I had a family member there and just pulling out gunk, you know, like nobody wants that to happen. We want to make sure everything is clean as possible. And always, and I will say it over and over and you will hate it, but, the organization must maintain a thorough knowledge of and adherence to the manufacturer's instructions for cleaning and disinfecting all equipment, all equipment. Also, as always, ensure that staff are educated in their role of how to clean and disinfect. So we need them to know what cleaner and disinfectant to use on what equipment. And this has been a challenge, I don't know, for our facility, Because, you know, with COVID and everything, even though it's winding down, thank the Lord Jesus, hallelujah, um, we've had issues getting certain products and we've had to change out. And then we have leftover from the time when we could not find such and such enzymatic cleaner or whatever. So there's several different brands out there in our facility now. So now is the time to pull that back together look at what you have, what products you have, make sure everybody knows how to use the products you have and start to phase out that stuff that we got when we were in a bind. Um, You also need staff to know how to properly apply or use the cleaners. I mean, common sense provided by the organization that is like the wet contact times or kill times, whatever you would like, however you would like to say that. Um, who is responsible for disinfecting various equipment, for example, environmental services? Are they Is it the unit staff? Is it the nurses? Who? Who is supposed to clean this? We need accountability for these for these actions, right? Who? Who is supposed to do this? Um, and the frequency in which to disinfect various types of equipment and surf, uh, surfaces, like, can this one only be cleaned ten times and then it needs to be thrown out or you know, whatever it is? And we need to ensure that departments can order only the improved cleaners and disinfectants that the organization should have, because it should be universal. That would be including our clinics. We wouldn't, if you if you have a big system that you're working for, and the, ta, you know, our CCN number is all the same, and they're de- our clinics are considered departments of the hospital. We are gonna want them to be doing the same thing that we are doing at the main hospital. We are gonna want them using the same cleaners that we are using because we are one organism. We are one living being breathing together. So we want it all to be a universal thing. And that way everybody can be trained at orientation and kind of know what to expect. They're going to know that we use this cleaner and this is how we use it and this is how long it should stay on, etc. Your organization somewhere in its policies should have a basic list of when things should be cleaned and maybe what it should be cleaned with. Like, for example, your your IV pump. It's it's a non-critical item in the Spalding classification. Uh, when are we going to clean it? daily. Or when visibly soiled and between patients, it's pretty common sense. Who is going to clean it? Well, it depends on whatever you guys decide at your facility. And then what are you going to clean it with? Well, what does the manufacturer say? Should, what should it be cleaned with? Number one, what is not going to hurt it? They're expensive. Um, and then what has your facility decided to clean, clean it with? you know, or moving along to something like a bronchoscope. It's semi-critical and we're going to clean it between each use. And we're going to pre-clean it at the point of use. Soon as it comes out of the patient, we're going to start to clean it. Um, we're gonna use high level disinfection and we're going uh, sterile processing is gonna do this. You know, it just depends on whatever your facility decides to do. Just an example. And when I was researching for this podcast, I found this really nice tool. It's called Environment Infection Prevention Assessment Tool. It was put out by the Joint Commission, and I can send it to you if you would like. It is very helpful. It, uh, it goes through, like, for example, your general environment section. Floors and walls are clean and free of spills, dust, stains, tape and adhesive residue, because this is something they are looking for under Joint Commission Standard ICO 20201, you know, and it has like a checkoff list, like, yes, this has been done. No, NA, or, you know, your comments and actions, and it's a really helpful list. Furnishings um, are free of holes, tears, tape, adhesive residues, stains, and rust. See how important this is? Again, under ICO 20201. Curtains, windows, blinds, vents, sinks, and all horizontal surfaces are clean and dust-free. Ceiling tiles are free of stains, leaks, and holes. All drinks are covered in patient areas. No food is in patient care areas, you know, from our staff. That is also ICO20201. I don't have all of these standards by memory. Um, I think I will very soon, though, through the past year and a half. I've had a lot of practice. And again, I will send this checklist out with the podcast, but I just wanna go through a few of these in case you don't have time to look at them yourself. Um, Under supply and medication storage areas, clean supplies and equipments are clean and free of spills, dust, stains, tape, and adhesive residue, and are kept separate from dirty supplies and equipment. Um, If required by our facility policy or your facility policy, clean equipment is labeled or bagged as clean. That depends on your policy. Sometimes it's best to leave things like that out just in case you don't get to do it, except that you do need to be able to verify how that, how you know that item is clean. Is it clean just because it's in the clean room? Is everything in the clean room clean? Make sure, because if there's one thing like sitting on the floor that's not you know, considered clean and it's in the clean room, guess what? Everything's not clean in that room. Um, And you're going to get a citation under ic one (laughs) oh four oh one. All right. So no patient care supplies are stored underneath sinks or draining pipes. Um, I like to say don't put anything under the sinks for my facility. However, you are allowed to put a couple of cleaning supplies under there. If something is under there like that, you're probably not going to get cited for it. But if you have stuff spilling out from under the sink, you know, that's it's. You can't tell if the sink is leaking or not underneath. That's why they don't want everything under those sinks. It's important. So please just leave everything out from underneath the sinks, if you work with me. Um, items used to prepare medications are clean. If single patient use, um, these are labeled, for example, like the pill cutters and crushers, are they single use, are they not? If the pill cutters are single use, Um, Are you putting the patient's information on them and just using it for that patient? You know, things of this nature that can get a little sticky and would need its own podcast. But, you know, there you go. So let's move on to sterile supplies. Sterile supplies are stored in clean, uh, clean and dry dry and closed area, meaning the door should be shut. Um, And are you monitoring that for humidity and things like that? Um, supplies are stored 8 to 10 inches above the floor. All bottom wire racks and clean supply rooms have a plastic cover or solid bottom on the shelf. What does this mean? So if you ha- have a supply closet and you have, oh, well, you know, for, for example, a really good example would be your linen carts. Do you have that plastic bottom on that wire rack on the bottom of your linen racks? Take a look. Look and see. Because EVS, they're gonna come mop the floor, right? Well, if there's no barrier, plastic barrier on that bottom wire rack, your linen can get splashed and you're gonna have dirty linen and you're gonna be using it on your patients. So that's not something you would wanna do. Um, you wanna make sure, of course, that you never have any expired supplies sitting around. Um, for example, your hand sanitizer soap is one that I find quite often in disinfectant solutions. Corrugated shipping boxes. This is another one that I get up on my soapbox about. Corrugated shipping boxes are disgusting. They can harbor pests, so you're not going to want to have those sitting around in your facility. You're going to want to take your items out of that box and store them and get that shipping box the heck out of here, right? So, corrugated shipping boxes are not stored in clean and sterile storage locations in clinical areas. Um, You're going to want to make sure that your refrigerators are clean and freezers are defrosted. Um, If it's a patient-only refrigerator, you're only going to want to have just patient food in there, right? Not staff food. And you're going to want to make sure everything is labeled according to your policy. Um, The refrigerated patient food brought from home, we're going to want to make sure it's labeled with the patient's name, date. um, No food items greater than three days you know, or whatever your policy is should be in there. Um, Of course, a lot of the temperature logs for refrigerators are done automatically. At most places, it's automated and if the temperature goes out of range, there's an alert and IT or whoever, come down and look at that. Now, your staff need to be able to know that process so that they can speak to it if asked during a survey. you're going to want to make sure that your clean linen is stored on clean covered shelves or in an enclosed cabinet um, separate from dirty linen so most carts are on that wire rack it should have the plastic bottom and it should have a plastic cover over it and the cover should be down you should never have it flapped up and over and just leave it like that right want to keep it dust free in that enclosed area We want to make sure that our sharps containers are not overfilled. Um, That is, that they're less than three fourths full, or whatever the manufacturer decides is appropriate based on their line of where it is full. You're going to want to make sure that soiled reusable instruments that require high level disinfection or sterilization are pre cleaned and stored and transported in a covered biohazard marked container. Um, For example, like your your endoscopes or your surgical instruments. Soiled instruments are not on countertops or lying in sinks. You're going to want them in those biohazard containers and make sure that they're hard and plastic so that if you have sharps in there, like um, a scalpel or something that you needed clean that's dirty, that it's not going to poke through and, and jab somebody. If you're using forceps or something like that, you're going to want to make sure those instruments are open and you're going to want to make sure that you've sprayed them with the enzymatic spray and know if that enzymatic spray is supposed to stay wet or not. Remember, most of all, Joint Commission wants you to follow directions and know your processes. They're not trying to trick you up. It's not hard. A lot of this has not changed over the years. Many of the standards are the same. Um... And it's things that you it's common sense, things that you see with your eyes. If it's dirty, where is this dirty item located? How are we gonna clean it, etc.? Our hand hygiene items, so like our foam that is in the hallways and whatnot, are they full? Are they empty? Who checks this? Are they expired? We wanna make sure no soap or gel is found. That's expired, of course. We wanna make sure that those dispensers are functional for hand hygiene. Um, Staff with direct patient contact, uh, we wanna make sure that they do not have artificial or long natural nails. You wanna make sure that your policy um, for infection control addresses these issues and that people are actually following them. So take a look at your staff's hands your staff should be able to ver- verbalize how they know what equipment is clean or dirty and who is responsible for cleaning and disinfecting it. Um, staff should be able to verbalize the, con- the correct wet times or kill times for um, the facility approved disinfectants. And if they don't know, make sure that they know where to look. They should know. They should know. Um, and are they timing it after? How do how do they know it sat there for, you know, say if it had a five-minute wet time, how does it stay wet for five minutes? How do we know this? How do we know it's absolutely disinfected? Um, staff can verbalize frequency of cleaning and disinfection of various pieces of equipment. Um, basically, their, their basic job, right? Um, environmental services staff can verbalize correct order if cleaning and disin- uh, of the correct order of cleaning and disinfecting a patient's room. We also want our staff to know what what PPE they should be wearing uh, while cleaning and disinfecting. Your um, EVS staff, environmental services staff, should be able to verbalize the correct use of cleaning and disinfection solutions as well um, and tell you a few things about that. Like, for example, they shouldn't be double dipping rags or... They should be able to tell you the frequency of mop head changes. And we also want to make sure that always, always, always environmental services carts are secured. They should not be out in the hallway where people can just go in them and grab stuff, right? We also want to make sure that environmental services closets do not contain patient care supplies or supplies that may be compromised by moisture. For example, toilet paper, um, paper towels. You're not going to want to things have things stored like that in the environmental services closet these items should be stored in a dedicated clean storage room or cabinet Um, so that is something to think about especially if you're in a clinic setting and if you're curious that would be cited under ICO 20201 just saying and this next one we used to use this product called Maxima 128 I think at one of the other places i worked at and we actually had to mix it dilute it and it was a big to do because it would be easy to do in a gallon jug and then pour into a spray bottle but instead we did it a hard way and calculated everything from the spray bottle this 20 ounce spray bottle or whatever we had so it was it was interesting because everybody would have this this stuff was green and you could tell the concentration was wrong uh, if it was a certain color everybody would have these different shades of green spray bottles so obviously something was not right Um, if cleaning and disinfection solutions are not ready to use staff can verbalize the correct dilution per the manufacturer's instructions measuring containers and required personnel uh, personal protective equipment are available and used and you know if it's a caustic uh, chemical is it being mixed by an eye wash Along with that, we always had issues with labeling because it needed we had a proper OSHA label on it. Secondary containers for cleaners and disinfectants are labeled per the facility um, policy and in compliance with OSHA requirements. You can no longer just take a Sharpie marker and write what that is in that bottle. There needs to be more to it than that. There are specific labels that say, oh, is it caustic? Is it flammable? Blah, blah, blah. And have that on that container. So sometimes it's best not to have, it's best to have pre-made stuff if you, if you can at your facility. But if you can't, make sure you're putting the proper labels on these things per the SDS, safety data sheet. So this was the fastest way that I could do an overview on environment infection prevention. And I'm going to send out this assessment tool with it. If you work with me, if not, send me your email and I will email you this. This is from the Joint Commission and it's a very helpful checklist. Um, And that is all I have for you all today. So I hope you listen to this and get something out of it and do great on your next survey. Have a great day.